So last time I shared about um, the oil of the spirit in regarding to the anointing. And this time I'm going to speak about the oil of intimacy. Wow. All of a sudden there's a bunch of people over there. (laughs) You snuck in on me. Um, yeah, the intimacy of communion with the Holy Spirit is what, what I want to, what I want to talk about tonight. And, uh, it's so good today. As I was spending time with Holy Spirit, I kept hearing this phrase, desperate times call for desperate measures. And he just kept saying that over and over again in my spirit. And just not in in relation to how we so desperately need the fellowship of Holy Spirit and that communion. You know, how we desperately need to have that oil of his presence. But also on the on the flip side, I was feeling his his heart and his feelings of desperation and yearning for us in that relationship. Do you realize that Holy Spirit yearns, yearns to have communion with you? He longs for that. You know, there's a lot of uh, ways we can realize that Holy Spirit, he's the third person of the Trinity. But he is the one that Jesus talked about the most in his final discussions with the apostles before he went to the cross. Um. All through the book of Acts, we see the activity of Holy Spirit in the lives of the apostles and how much they interacted with him. They had such an ongoing communion and fellowship and partnership with the Holy Spirit. Many times they would say, it seemed good to us in Holy Spirit that we go here. Or it seemed good to us in Holy Spirit that we did this. You know, this was, this was how they existed And I really firmly believe that their relationship with Holy Spirit, I mean, I don't think they could have done some of the things they did or faced the things they did without, without that. Okay. Without that relationship. Um, they were so led by the Holy Spirit, the whole oil of communion with Holy Spirit was so evident in their lives and ministry. This cannot be denied. How else could they endure what they encountered as all of hell came against them? As they tried to push forth the gospel and hell was coming against them, they had Holy Spirit. How else would they be able to sing praises to God in jail? You know, I just think about those things. This was their secret. I really believe they were desperate. They were so reliant on Holy Spirit. Okay, so, and Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. This is what Paul said, one of the greatest apostles. He said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So this word fellowship here is that word in the Greek koinonia. How many of you heard that word koinonia? Okay. This word means communion. It means communication. It means intimacy. Partnership, joint participation. So Paul was exhorting them, you know, to, to be in the grace of Jesus, in the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. This communion, this intimacy. 
So then, you know, when I read what Jesus told the disciples, like I said, in his last times with them, I have to think that this was so important to Jesus when he talked to them. So, you know, that's, that's one of the things I like to, you know, kind of bring to the table first is why is it so important that we have communion with Holy Spirit? Why is he so important to us? What is his role in our lives? How do we come into that right understanding of this relationship with the Holy Spirit as Jesus would have us know him and relate to him? Okay. So we have three chapters in John where he's opening his heart to them. It's, you know, for the last times he's spending with the disciples, he's pouring out his heart. He's pouring out his soul. I can just see his heart filled with love. And, he, you know, soon he's going to be pouring out his spirit upon them. You know, he knows that and understands that. They don't even really understand that yet. Um, and so in these last hours, he's speaking to them. You know, we just read scripture sometime, but this, I've been really, I really meditate on this a lot. Um, because I know personally, as I've grown in my relationship with Holy Spirit, it's radically changed my life. You know, just to, to really have the proper understanding of that. No, we're not making any less of Jesus or Father. He is the one that they sent to us. And he lives in us. And he is them. And they are a him. They are a trinity. But he is the one. He's like... Okay, so anyways, I don't want to skip around. So he really, it was so imperative that they had the understanding of what Holy Spirit would mean in their lives after he went back to the Father. So the primary verses in John, there's, some, there's several verses in John 14 through 16 if you want to turn to John 14. But John 14, verse 16 and 17, Jesus says, I'm going to pray the Father to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. He's going to live with you forever. He's never going to leave you. Even the spirit of truth, this is another one of his names, the world cannot receive him because they don't see him. They don't know him, but you know him. He's already declaring, you know him. They didn't know him yet, but he was declaring that. And he said, for he dwells in you and shall be in you. Okay, so go back to that part. He says, I'm going to give you another comforter. So who was the first comforter? He was. (laughs) He was the one that walked with them. He was their teacher. He was their helper. He was their counselor. But he says, I'm giving you another one. He's going to be better than me. He's going to be just like me, but he's going to be living in you. You know, I can only imagine what the disciples are thinking. What in the world are you talking about? What do you mean you're leaving us? I mean, so the first point here is that Holy Spirit will be our comforter. Jesus said he would soon leave them, but he is going to send another comforter. And that word comforter here means parakletos. Parakletos. I'm not sure exactly how you say that. Some of us may already be familiar with this um, similar word. It comes from paraclete when referring to Holy Spirit. That means counselor, helper an intercessor, an advocate, a strengthener. So the New Testament Greek word is composed of two commonly used words, para, which means alongside of, 
and kaleo, which means to call. So brought together, they make one word, which literally means someone called alongside of another. Jesus had been that one that walked alongside of them. But now he said another one was coming. And he was assuring them that he would be just like him. But even in this situation, it's going to be better. And then it also talked where, where he uh, said, you know, the world didn't, doesn't know him, but you will know him. And when you look up that word know, it means like really know him. You're going to know him intimately. You're going to really know him. He's going to know you. There's going to be just this friendship and partnership to where, you know, the picture to me is like you're going to be inseparable. You are inseparable. You're going to be inseparable. Um, okay, then John 14, 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, here he is. Jesus is continuing through these chapters talking about Holy Spirit. So when the comforter, the Holy Ghost comes, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance that I've said to you. So he's telling them he's going to teach you everything you need to know for your life, everything you need to know. And he's going to remind you of everything that I've said to you. He will teach you all things. He will remind you of everything I've told you. Then John 16, 7 and 8, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Like he could lie. (laughs) Um, But he says, (laughs) but he says it is expedient. And that word means advantageous, so much better for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will reprove, which means convict, the world of sin and of righteousness, which means the revealed will of God and of judgment. And then he goes on in in 12 and 13 and says, I have yet many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. Although when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. So, you know, think about this. I think about these scriptures a lot when I think about Holy Spirit and I think about Jesus and, you know, how delicate and how sensitive this conversation must have been to his heart. You know, I'm leaving you and we've had all this time together, but I'm sending one that's going to be it's going to be so much better for you. I need to hurry and leave so he can come. And then it goes on in John 16, 13. For he will not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. This means that the Holy Spirit is like a transmitter of what he shall hear or receive from Jesus and the Father. So everything that you hear from Jesus and the Father is really transmitted through Holy Spirit. Did you realize that? Yeah. He's the one that you're hearing it through, really. I know it, it's, it sounds, you know, sometimes you're like, how does that work? It's a mystery. It's a spiritual thing. Your mind is not going to figure it out, but this is the truth. And this is what Jesus said. So it's really important that, you know, we, we take this as very important in our lives. If he's saying that to the people that started the church. Um, but it's like, that was so cool that Jesus is like a, I mean, that Holy spirit is like a transmitter and he's not going to speak it. Holy spirit always lifts up Jesus. He always glorifies Jesus. He's always pointing you to Jesus. He's not speaking of himself. He does not mean that Holy Spirit would not speak about what he meant. He meant that Holy Spirit would teach nothing contrary to what Jesus had been teaching 
or what Jesus would tell them. So whatever he hears from the father and from Jesus that he will speak. Then John 16, 14, and he will show you things to come. Wow. Have you ever had Holy Spirit show you something that's going to happen? That's really cool. You know, when he tells you, oh, this is going to happen. Preparing your heart. It could be good. It could be bad. I mean, you, you know, he's he's so awesome. He will show you things to come. He will glorify me. He will receive of what is mine and will show it to you. So Jesus is telling them. I'm going to be telling Holy Spirit. Father's going to be telling Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to tell you. Doesn't mean you can't pray to God and Jesus. We still do that. They're all three in one. And I'm not saying, you know, but, but developing that communion and relationship with Holy Spirit where you are literally having conversations with him is really important. Asking him to give you revelation, asking him to speak to you. Um, and he always glorifies Jesus. Shows you, it says he will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit will bring prophetic understanding to the church as he shows us things to come. He is the one who reveals the truth of Jesus as our bridegroom God and reveals his beauty and glory to our hearts. He is the one who pours out the love of God on our hearts. Romans 5, 5 says, And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. He says, that was Paul. He says, the love of God is poured into your heart through Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's the one that does that. Okay? Um, Yeah. So Jesus was letting them know the important role of Holy Spirit and, and what he would have in their lives. Again, I just, you know, I just get that sense of how excited Jesus is and, and how sensitive this is to his heart. And I take that really seriously when I read this. You know, a lot of this, I didn't realize it for a long time as a young Christian. I didn't realize I needed to develop my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I know I've shared this with some people a lot. But I really feel like we really need to get this. You know, it's so important, especially now, because he's saying... Desperate times call for desperate measures. There's no desperate measure that we can do any more than pressing into our relationship with Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Revelation, he who has an ear to hear, the Spirit will overcome. So you put all those pieces together, and I mean, that to me highlights, okay, I need to be very intentional. All right? Okay, so, and then there's a couple resources I just wanted to share with you. That are really awesome. If you want, if you want to just kind of get, you know, get some more understanding, more revelation of this relationship, um, Mike Bickle has a couple really good teachings on his site, MikeBickle.org. Uh, the first one is part five of the series "Growing in Prayer," part two. I don't know if any of you've heard of that, but he's got one whole uh, part there on fellowshipping with the Spirit. It's really good. He's really talking about it too. And then uh, he has another one. This is, this is also, this is the, where he talks about the, the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. And this is um, the teaching called the oil of intimacy, encountering the bridegroom God. 
And so in that one, he's talking about Holy Spirit's role and it's Holy Spirit that reveals Jesus, the bridegroom God to our hearts and really opens up that revelation to us. So those are really good. You might want to write those down. And then there's a, uh, I don't know how many of you ever heard of John Bevere. I love his teachings. So he has a YouTube video called relationship with Holy spirit. And the most recent one is the one that I listened to is this 2016. It was like just four months ago. It is hilarious. I love his teaching style, but he's just so real. And just some of the things that he shared, I watched it with my husband. He loved it. It was so good. Um, so all of that leading up to, you know, I always like to preface when I talk about Holy spirit, why I'm, why I'm focusing on our relationship with Holy Spirit so much, you know, give background and give the scriptural, because there is a lot of, you know, misunderstanding there. So just, I wanted to share, I had so much in my heart, you know, I'm like, when you know you're going to share something about someone that you really love and there's so much that he's done in your life and you're like, how do I just narrow this down to, And I'm like, I need a part three and a part four, maybe, you know, anyway. So, but this was because I was, I was leaning towards sharing about the the wise and the foolish virgins and the oil there and that story. And, um, but then this week, the Lord was just really started to minister to me and just in my time personally with Holy spirit and just dialoguing with him, what do you want me to share? You know, he began to just open up a new revelation to my heart on Psalm 23 and how Psalm 23 is such a powerful picture of the working of Holy spirit in our lives. So I'm kind of going to go through that with you. I'm going to share that with you. And I'm just praying that I can communicate everything in my heart properly that, you know, that he's shown me about this because this is just so good. And maybe some of you have thought of this before, but I've never looked or gotten this revelation from Psalm 23 before. So Psalm 23 verses one through six, which is a Psalm of David. I'm just going to read the whole, all of them first, and then I'll just kind of start. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and and mercy or loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So starting right off from the top. The Lord is my shepherd. Okay, and I'm going to relate this to Holy Spirit and, and the understanding that we just shared that Jesus told the disciples. Holy Spirit is your teacher. He's your counselor. He's going to lead you into all truth. So he's starting to give me this revelation of Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit as the shepherd. Okay, so I looked up shepherd in just that phrase there. And it's the word ra'ah, R-A-A-H. To pasture, tend, feed, 
teach, to associate with, be a friend of, to be companions, to be a special friend. So you think about Holy Spirit, and that's what Jesus said he was to us. So I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going to relate to you as my shepherd. So then, you know, I'm just going to walk through this process of like engaging with Holy Spirit through Psalm 23. And I'm going to share with you the revelation he gave me. So starting out, thinking of him as my teacher, coming to him and just saying, Holy Spirit, you're my teacher. You're my shepherd. You lead me into all truth. You know, bring revelation of the word. Feed me. Feed me, Holy Spirit. Feed me. What is the Father saying? What is Jesus saying? Nourish me with this, with this knowledge, with this understanding. So that's where we start. You know, he's the one that gardens, the, gardens our heart. He tends the garden of our heart. And then it goes on and it says, and I shall not want. So you think of Holy Spirit and you think of him. You know, he's the one that brings us into the presence of God. He's the one that we connect to spirit to spirit. You know, he lives in our spirit. That connects with the kingdom, the glory. So he feeds us. He teaches us. He's guiding us. And he brings us to this place where, you know, when you're in that presence of God, into that place where just you are so connected with Holy Spirit and in that place, spirit to spirit, where he's feeding you, he's nourishing you. He's pouring the love of God on your heart. And you're just, you know, you're just feeling that you're encountering that you get to that place where you're satisfied. You know what I'm talking about? You get to that place where you're in his presence and you don't have any more wants. You get to that place where you're like, you are the only one that can satisfy me. This is what satisfies me. This is the only thing that can satisfy my soul. You're such a good shepherd. You bring me to this place where I don't want of anything but you. Nothing else matters. This only can truly satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. Okay, then it goes on. And it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. So then I got the picture of rest. He's feeding me. He's nourishing me. He's leading me. He's shepherding my heart. He's brought me to this place where, you know what? Nothing else matters but you. I'm so satisfied. I shall not want. And then he brings me to this place. You know, green pastures and and still waters represents rest, right? And I understand that when, when, you know, after the sheep are fed by the shepherd... He, they would usually, you know, lead them to a place of, you know, very lush pasture or grassy meadows and where there'd be quiet waters. So this is where a shepherd will lead their sheep. And that causes them to lie down, to rest. It's a place they, they will ride, lie down and rest. So this is a picture of the rest that the Holy Spirit brings us into. And Holy Spirit, as our comforter, our counselor, Brings us into a place of rest. He helps us to enter into that rest. And, and then immediately I connected to, you know, in Hebrews where it talks about 
It talks about laboring to enter into that rest. This is the same kind of rest, I believe, because it's, it's, it's referring to that place of being so fully dependent on Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit instead of like striving to, in works, you know, and trying to make things happen. But you get to that place where you're just fully resting in him and trusting him to lead you and guide you. So I was making that connection, you know, to that place of just really hearing what the spirit is saying. So then it, and then from there it proceeds into, okay, so he's, he's fed you, he's nourished you, he's brought you to this place of rest. You feel totally satisfied, you know, um, you're laying in, you know, in the, in the fields and you're like by the still waters and your soul is quieted and you're able to totally receive from him. And then it goes into, he restores my soul. So this is so beautiful because this is the amazing process. I just see how Holy Spirit takes us through this. So the first part is really connecting with him and who he is. You know, entering into that rest. So he takes us, and this is the way that he brings comfort and refreshing and strengthens us in this place. And this is part of him restoring our soul. There's, there's. This is a place where there can be like a washing, a refreshing, sometimes realigning, adjusting us in our perspectives, the way we see things, our thinking. This is a place where he may convict our heart. Jesus said he's going to be one that convicts, that brings conviction, and then also, you know, leads you into righteousness, which is God's will for your life. So, this may be a time where he convicts, you know, our heart of some sin. He brings it to the surface. And, and so this could be a time that we maybe have had some sin in our soul that needs to be repented of. So Holy Spirit does that work, you know. And he's just like, okay, you know that. You, know, you need to repent of that. Let it go. It could be a place of releasing to the Lord. You know, all of these things are, are connected to restoring our soul. Surrendering disappointments, burdens we've been carrying that don't belong to us. Hope deferred, pain, sorrow. Also a place of breaking agreements with lies. You know how the enemy comes with the lies and we've agreed with maybe some of the lies and Holy Spirit saying, hey, this is part of restoring your soul. Let go of that, let go of that, release it. It's a place of... Of, it's like a place of just pouring out, just emptying out, just emptying out, letting go, emptying out. Man, I've been carrying this, but I need to let it go. I need to let it go. I need to empty it out. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, you know, can come with one word in this time. Just, you know, and instantly we're transformed. You know, that's so amazing to me how he can do that. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of Hebrews 4, 12. Talking about how Holy Spirit can come with a word and come with a rhema word where it's just, you know, a word that he speaks to your heart. Or he can, you know, you could be looking at this, the word of God and he breathes on a word. And so it reminds me of Hebrews 4, 12, where it says the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So in this place, Holy Spirit is also revealing the truth of the word. 
you know, that pierces and divides the soul and the spirit. Things that are in our soul, Holy Spirit is zeroing in on and saying, hey, this is not good. This is affecting your spirit. You know, let's, let's deal with that. He's realigning us to the truth, separating us from thoughts and lies that have tried to keep us captive and keep us from being free. Now, this is, I'm talking about who the Holy Spirit is and how he does this process in our lives in related to Psalm 23. Had y'all ever thought about this like this before? Me either. And I'm like, this is so huge. This is so beautiful. So then, okay, he's taking you to where he's restoring your soul and Holy Spirit is revealing and, you know, and, and you may have repented. You may have released things that you've been carrying and just emptying out, just emptying out. Okay. And the next thing that happens is he just starts pouring in the oil. Okay, because those things were like wounds in our soul. So then he comes and he begins to pour in the oil, the healing oil, that balm of Gilead to heal those places. It's all part of the restoring of the soul. That oil of love that flows over and through us, the oil of gladness. It says the joy of the Lord, the oil of the joy of the Lord gives us strength. So in this place, he gives us that oil that strengthens us, that oil that flows from the Father's heart, that oil of love, that joy. That's a big part of the restoration and healing. He doesn't just doesn't leave you out there to hang, okay, you emptied that, you've got these open sores. No, he comes in with this oil. You know, it's like medicine. <laughs> I just, I just love the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I just personally, he's done so much of this in my own life. Just in this process of just spending time with him. And being vulnerable with him and allowing him to take me through this process. I never connected it with Psalm 23. But this is what he does. As our comforter. Okay. Um, so then it says he leads us into paths of righteousness for his namesake. And again, Holy Spirit is our leader. He's our counselor. He's our teacher. He has a vital role in leading us on from there into the revealed will of God. Okay, now we're going to get up. We took care of those things. Now we're going to go into the next phase. Let me, let me share some things with you. Let me reveal to you what's on the Father's heart for you. What may be coming up in your life. You know, he starts to give us instruction and teaching us. He leads us in paths of righteousness. My favorite definition of righteousness in, in the Vine's Testament is whatever conforms to the revealed will of God. Okay, so Holy Spirit is going to lead us into what conforms to the revealed will of God for our lives. And he doesn't do that. He does that also for his namesake. So... We belong to him. We bear his name for his name's sake. So it's not only that we are, that we belong to him, that we bear his name, but it's because it's for the sake of his reputation. This is who he is. He's a good shepherd that leads his people well. 
but it doesn't mean you're never going to have trouble. We're going to go into the next part because it says they, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So Holy Spirit is like the rod and the staff comforting us. But you know, I was, as I was looking at that, just like Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert, (laughs) you know, he's, he receives the Holy Spirit and then he takes him into the desert to be tested by the enemy. So sometimes he will take us into times and places of death and dying. And I'm not talking about just like people dying that we love. I'm talking about specifically dying in us that needs to happen. Suffering that happens. Things that we go through our life that is like a dying situation. But things in us need to die so that he can live. Yeah. So he takes us into these places. And, and you know, we've cried out to him <laughs> for more. But these things have to go. You know, so I'm looking at this. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I'm in this dying place. And I've had different seasons in my life where I've literally seen him take me into the Garden of Gethsemane. Tell me, you know, this is a season you're going to be in the garden. This is going to be a dying season for you. That's not fun. But, you know, when I would go in there, I would see Jesus would be there waiting. And he would take me in his arms and we would start dancing. And when we started dancing, the wine started to flow. And the more I danced and when I would go back, the wine would flow. So I felt like, you know, and plus it talks about um, the olive being crushed, the oil. The oil is released. When we're really crushed and things are dying, it's that place of that pressing, and that's how the oil is released. You know, and he comes with the oil in those places, and that's how he comforts us. So I think, I think this is, you know, this is a, a time that a lot of times we struggle with, are these dying times. But Jesus said, you know, that, that we had to do that. But how beautiful it is it when we look at this, that we have Holy Spirit to comfort us even in that. I mean, some of you have heard my testimony. You know, I went through a time where, I mean, I was really dying and wishing I was dead. Just the pain and the sorrow of what I was going through emotionally and some stuff was going on. And I remember just going through this process and just like, Lord, just take me now. You know, I mean, it was that bad. And just, I remember just, um, I was literally in a, in a valley of death. And, and, um, I remember just, I, I went to this church and I ran up to the altar and I threw myself on the altar and I was just pouring out and just crying to the Lord. I said, Lord, I just can't take this anymore. I, you know, I just want to give it to you. And, you know, I just come to the end of the end of the end and, and, um, probably 45 minutes I cried and just poured out, poured out all this stuff. You repented, you know, whatever I had to do that Holy Spirit just kind of did. And I mean, afterwards, I just was like so empty. I remember feeling like, and that was the very first time I ever really experienced the joy of the Lord. Because I became empty, he was able to pour in. 
he was able to fill me back up. But as long as that stuff was in there obstructing it, he couldn't pour in. It's like, you know, it talks about you can't pour new wine in an old wine skin. I had a lot of old wine skin that was like floating around in the way and just like stagnating and, you know, smelly and nasty, you know. So he's like, okay, we're going to have to get this out and it's going to be really bad pressing and, you know. But in the end, I got up off the floor and it was amazing. I mean, he totally changed me in, in that short time. So that's that oil of joy that he pours in, in the middle of death. In the middle of death, he can do that. God did not promise David or anyone else freedom from suffering and trials of life. Even though God is our shepherd, we will still go through these times. But we will never want for the comfort which comes through the presence of Holy Spirit. We will never want for that. So if we can realize that and we can really learn that reality, not saying we're not going to suffer and we're not going to have pain, but we can learn how to just go to that place with him and pour it out. Because we, what we try to do is we try to hold on to it. Oh, I can carry it. I can handle it. You know, kill me. Well, he wants us to die, but not really die. You know, not really leave. He just wants that that stuff to die in us. Um, And then talking about, you know, I will fear no evil for you are with me. It just always brings me back to how Holy Spirit, you know, Romans 5, 5 says that Holy Spirit is the one that pours the love of the Father in our hearts. And that's that oil, that oil of love. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you can literally feel it's like oil when he's pouring that in. Just that, that oil, that, that comfort. <clears throat> and John, 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So when we're in a place with Holy Spirit and we're going through this death experience, but yet he's pouring in the oil of love and the oil of joy, You know, fear leaves. You know, you get to the place where you want nothing else but him. Holy Spirit has brought you to a place where you're so satisfied with the presence of God. Nothing else matters. And then even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because he's poured that oil of love and that oil of joy in your heart, you have no more fear. You have no fear of the future. And then it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. (laughs) You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Ultimately, this fellowship, this partnership, the shepherding of the Holy Spirit leads us to a place of victory, even in the face of our enemies. This speaks also of, of, of a place of honor. Okay, it's a place of honor sitting at the table of the king where the enemy can literally see you sitting with the king. Holy Spirit is the one that reveals this reality to our heart. This is our reality. But in the natural, we can't see it. So Holy Spirit has to reveal that reality to our hearts. So we just have to say, Holy Spirit, would you give me that reality? Would you reveal that reality? You can start asking Holy Spirit. To do this, 
start engaging Holy Spirit more because he's the one that's going to do that. Um, he reveals the truth that we are sons and daughters and the bride who we really are. This is who you are. You are seated in heavenly places. I've said, okay, I want to see my seat. I want to see myself there. Holy Spirit. And he will literally show you in the spirit. He will open up things to you as you engage with him. Okay. So then this is really cool. I, sh I shared a little bit of this last night about, um, you anoint my head with oil, which also, you know, represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit and, um, and honor. But, uh, you know, what really, really impacted me was when I was thinking about the sheep and the shepherd and I just want to read this to you because this relates to why the, the shepherd would put oil on the sheep's head. So sheep are especially troubled by the nose fly or nasal flies, it is sometimes called. Here, little flies buzz about the sheep's head, attempting to deposit their eggs on the damp mucous membranes of the sheep's nose. If they are successful, the eggs will hatch in a few days to form small, slender, worm-like larvae. They work their way up the nasal passages into the sheep's head and brain. They burrow into the flesh, and there set up an intense irritation accompanied by severe inflammation. Pretty picture. For relief from this agonizing annoyance, sheep will deliberately beat their heads against trees, rocks, posts, or brush. They will rub them in the soil and thrash around against woody growth. In extreme cases, a sheep may even kill itself in a frenzied endeavor to gain respite from the aggravation. Often advanced stages of infection from these flies will lead to blindness. Because of all this, when the nose flies hover around the flock, some of the sheep become frantic with fear and panic in their attempts to escape their tormentors. They will stamp their feet erratically and race from place to place in the pasture, trying desperately to elude the flies. Some may run so much they will drop from sheer exhaustion. Others may toss their heads up and down for hours. They will hide in any bush or woodland that offers shelter. On some occasions, they may refuse to graze in the open at all. All this excitement and distraction has a devastating effect on the entire flock. Ewes and lambs rapidly lose condition and begin to drop in weight. The ewes will go off milking and their lambs will stop growing painfully. Some sheep will be injured in their headlong rushes of panic. Others may be blinded and some even killed outright. Then, as the shepherd then applies oil on the sheep's head, what an incredible transformation this would make among the sheep. Once the oil had been applied to the sheep's head, there was an immediate change in behavior. Gone was the aggravation. Gone was the frenzy. Gone the irritability and the restlessness. Instead, the sheep would start to feed quietly again, then soon lie down in peaceful contentment. Is that not a prophetic picture of the oil of the presence of Holy Spirit? In just regards to our thought life, the flies trying to buzz in our ears with lies and accusations against God, I mean, I have felt like one of those sheep before in situations I could beat my head on the wall. I mean, be honest, you know, we've been tormented and it's just, this is telling me, you know, this, you anoint my head with oil. 
David was a shepherd. He understood this, you know, and all I can see is like, pour it on, pour it on Lord, more oil, more oil. I just love that. That is just such a good picture of, of how much we need the oil of the Holy Spirit, how much we need to daily be encountering that oil, that presence of the Holy Spirit to keep our, our minds renewed, to meditate on the word. He brings that revelation, you know, just to stay in that place of just being drenched and saturated, being filled to overflowing. And then it says my cup overflows. So he just starts pouring. He starts pouring. If we stay in that place of receiving and waiting on him, he fills and he fills and he fills and he fills. And it's something that has to be cultivated. You know, um, he desires to reveal so much to us, to explain so much to us. But we have a tendency to disregard him. You know, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, he's, he's constantly drawing. He's constantly wooing us. You know, come, come away with me. Come away with me. Come sit with me. You know, and um, I'm running a little bit out of time. But, um, you know, just being really intentional because I'm, I'm just saying, you know, these are desperate times and they're not really getting any better. So just to encourage you in um, getting oil. Getting oil. That's a priority in your life. Daily. You know, having time with Holy Spirit. Because then it says, okay, here is the outcome. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. To me, that is like the ultimate outcome. The reality of relationship and fellowship with Holy Spirit is always living in the reality of the goodness of the Father and the mercy of the Father. Not only receiving mercy, but releasing mercy. Walking in that place of mercy. And you know what? It's hard as heck to do that in the natural. You can't do that with a lot of, out a lot of oil. <laughs> I mean, you got to be greasy for that. You have to be lubricated for some of these things that we have to walk out. Um, living our lives, encountering the reality of the love of the father and Jesus as like Mike Bickle talks about our magnificent obsession, our bridegroom God, because Holy spirit will glorify them. Holy spirit reveals them to our hearts in all that they are living a life with Holy spirit inside of you, helping you in your life to live a life of righteousness, dwelling in the presence of the Lord. So I have, I have a couple pages of notes. Uh, I wanted to have a little time where we, they're getting ready to do a set, but, um, just encourage you. And, um, I don't know if a lot of us, we talk about soaking and soaking prayer around here. And, and this is one of the ways to really get filled with the oil of the presence of God, of the Holy spirit. Um, and so I kind of, I have a, one page where it kind of explains what soaking prayer is and the results of that. It's just a way of really, um, connecting with Holy spirit. It's a spirit to spirit activity. Um, it 
It's just, just, it's just getting into that place. It's literally, you know, helping you to get into that place where you can be saturated with the presence of God and literally where the oil of his presence is being poured in. And it's a place of you're not doing really anything. There's no agenda. It doesn't really, you know, you don't have to be doing anything with your body. It's just a place where you quiet your soul and you get to the place where you're just connecting spirit to spirit, sitting quietly. You know, be still and know that he is God. And just soaking in his presence. The Lord has done so much in my life. In fact, most of the major deliverance that I've had in my life is through times of soaking. And he gave me a beautiful, gave me a beautiful uh, revelation. A lot of you have heard this. But I started a garden a few years ago. You know, I really wasn't a gardener. And the Lord was teaching me. But one day I was trying to pull weeds. And, you know, I go to pull this one weed and the top just rips off. You know how some weeds, they just are like in there. And you're like, you're not getting it out. And unless you dig it out. And so I'm just like, oh. And so Holy Spirit says, get the hose. So I got the hose and he's like, water the weed. And I'm like, that's so weird. But anyway, so I'm watering the weed. I'm watering, you know, I'm just standing. I'm just laughing hysterically because I'm thinking it would be so funny if somebody knew what I was doing. You know, so I'm staying there. So like, I don't know, about 10 minutes go by. And uh, then he goes, okay, stop. Now pull now, now try it. And the weed just psh, came right up. So, you know, that he said, you know, this is just one of the things that happened. We talked about the process of Psalm 23 with Holy Spirit that he takes us through. But that is just a beautiful picture of um, how easily the, the weeds and the roots can come up, you know, in his presence. Just you and us, you and us and him just soaking in his presence and how it just comes up. And it takes me back to the Psalm 23 process. And so what, you know, and I love deliverance ministries, don't get me wrong, and inner healing. But sometimes you go and you feel like the top is just ripped off and there's more. You know, yeah. And so, you know, this is just something that one of the, one of the pluses of soaking, you know? Um, so anyways, the first page is just kind of like explanation of what I'm talking about. And then the second page is kind of like a step-by-step of how to kind of do it. We were going to try to do it. Maybe that'll be for part three. We'll actually get to do it. I don't know. So, um, just talks about, you know, how to prepare yourself. For just getting into that place, how you can find a quiet place. Some people like to lie down. Some people like to sit still. You can, you know, try to remove all distractions. You can put on soft worship music. Close your eyes. You know, just start thanking him. You know, speaking words of thankfulness. Any sin that Holy Spirit might come up. You know, confess it. Let it go. Anything that you feel like may be between you and God. Um, sometimes it helps to just meditate on a small portion of scripture. Sometimes that helps quiet our soul. You know, also like we talked about releasing frustrations. And this is so funny because this, I had this for a long time, but never really related it to Psalm 23. And basically that's what we just went through. Um, so releasing anything that needs to be released, letting go. And then your heart, you know, as it becomes soft and it's the presence So then you just get to that. It's just getting to that place. The goal is just getting to that place of spirit to spirit. A lot of us here understand that and know that. It's probably repetitive. But and then when it's, you know, there's there's like a suggested prayer you can pray, just talking to Holy Spirit. And then, you know, when you get there, try to stay a while. 
Just try to stay a while in that place. Um, Letting him saturate you, just receiving his oil, encountering your heart. And, you know, I always recommend to people to keep a journal. You know, write in your journal anything that, that he may reveal to you. You know, keep record of it. Date it and keep record of it. Because like we said, one of the things Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would do would, you know, tell us things about the future, teach us. So we want to be diligent about writing down anything that he may be telling us personally. That's really important. Um, Yeah. So. Get oily. (laughs) Just stay, just stay oiled up. That's the secret. That's the secret. Staying in that place, you know, being being oiled up. I, I gave the I gave the analogy last time of the car of the vehicle. You know, you know when you think about it, car is not running when you put oil in it. <laughs> it's sitting still, and it has to be filled up, and it needs oil, just like we do. We have to have that oil. You know, I mean, I know that I don't like being crusty and dry. <laughs> I don't function very good. I get really cranky. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's just, it's so beautiful, the, the process of Holy Spirit. And, yeah. Well, let me pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for this revelation. And we just ask that that you just deposit it deep into our hearts, into our beings. That this will become such a reality in our lives. Because you help us to love Jesus and the Father more. You help us to realize who we really are. We thank you that you are a good shepherd. That you restore our souls. We just invite you through the rest of this night, through this set. We open up ourselves for you to pour in that oil. That oil of encountering our heart. The oil of healing, the oil of joy, the oil of gladness, the oil of strength. We just open up and say, Holy Spirit, pour it in. Fill us up. Fill us up. We so need you. We so depend on you. You're the one that's going to help us come up out of the wilderness leaning on our beloved. You're the one that's going to help us to have dove's eyes and to be the bride. You're the one that's going to help us to be a bride without spot or wrinkle. We thank you for your ministry, Holy Spirit. We bless you. We love you. We thank and bless Father and Jesus for sending you to us. What a precious gift you are. What a precious gift you are to our lives. Thank you, Lord. Amen.